on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, time for our college football national insider. I actually caught up with him a little earlier in the day, Michael Felder from The Messenger, from Learfield, from Bleacher Report, and we started off the conversation talking about the initial CFP. Ah, it drives me crazy, but I wanted to find out if Mike had some uh, initial complaints with the CFP. To me, Washington should be number two, honestly. I think I still think Georgia should probably be number one, and that's not based on last year. It's more... I think if Georgia gets their like, here's the thing. Let me okay. You know what? Let's flip it. Let's let me ask you. If Georgia gets their hands on Ohio State or Michigan, what do you think happens? I think Michigan can compete. I don't think Ohio State can. I think Michigan is a touchdown to ten points better than the rest of the Big Ten. But I think Georgia is better than all of them. Michigan, and we saw it this weekend when Georgia was like, okay, recruiting time and rivalry time. Yep. uh, And I thought, you know, I saw it's Felder up on Substack, and you were like. Hey, Bowers wasn't there, and Georgia was like, we have to send a message. It's smash-o time. Yeah, and that's the point that I'm making, which is why I still put Georgia number one. I think Alabama's an interesting spot. I know Texas is ahead of them technically, but do you think that Steve Sarkeesian wants to play Alabama again? Because I don't. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, so I don't think so, and it's been interesting. I was way more bothered by the other stuff, right? Bothered by where Kansas was at, at 21. I think they've played better. I think Oregon State has played better as well. When we talk about the West Coast, and uh, I look at Air Force, and Air Force for me is a team that, man, they've been really, really good. They've been, I don't I don't think dynamic is the word, but what we've seen out of Air Force is a team that they only throw the ball five times a game, but one of those times is probably going to be a touchdown. <laughs> We gotta we gotta watch out for them. And then obviously, I know you're you're you guys are you're an LV, you're you you do UNLV and that team's better than we ever thought we thought they would be this year. And it's, it's great to watch them play. And so it's going to be interesting to see as UNLV progresses through the rest of the, that conference um, schedule, if they can move up into the, the rankings, but it's also about who's watching who. And I don't like, I was talking to Ryan Shazier on the show. We do, I do a show at Bleacher Report. We do it Tuesday or yeah, Tuesday night. And Shazier was like, USC shouldn't be ranked. They should not be ranked. Oh, really? At all? At all, period. Done. Wow. Zero. And I was like, that makes sense. Like, Caleb Williams is a very good player, but you look at what they've done, like, they haven't – what have they achieved? Nothing. They just are living off that. And I don't want to, like, take away things from Georgia, a team that, you know, back-to-back championships, but they don't have that same culture. They don't have that same ability in, in man – I, I, my, my article for the messenger goes up this week and, or goes up today, actually. And Georgia has given up, hang on, let me make sure I get this right. They've given up five plays. Yep. There it is. They've given up five plays for 30 yards or more in eight games. That's one half of USC football. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like Uh, there's a huge difference here. And then you can get into a little bit, but I think Air Force should be higher. I think Tennessee should be lower. I think Kansas should be higher. But at the end of the day, we're going to get to see Kansas play Kansas State, and they're all kind of clustered together. We're going to get to see them both play Oklahoma State. We're going to get to see UCLA play, uh, what is it, Utah and USC. So it's all going to shake itself out. And Yeah. Uh, how did LSU upset Alabama? The LSU's defense – or excuse me, their offense is really good. Offensive with neighbors and Daniels. Daniels, I believe, should be a top three Heisman contender. So I love that out of them. 
but their defense is bad. It's not they they can't get anything done. And I feel bad saying that because their defensive coordinator, Matt House, was the GA when I was at UNC. We didn't get along a lot, but he was there. <laughs> okay. And um, but he's that GA, and it's it's one of those things. Like I'm not dumping on the guy. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. He worked under Pat Narduzzi, obviously. He's a good defensive coordinator. It's a the problem at LSU is getting kids to commit to what you want them to do. And if it's not man defense, those kids are like, I just I'll just do my own thing. <laughs> and it's a problem. Like we saw it as a problem two years ago, three years ago. We've seen this be a consistent problem for them. So I'm curious to watch what this looks like with milk. Like I would not even if I'm if I'm LSU, I wouldn't cover 20 to to probably 12 yards. Wouldn't worry about it. He's not going to throw the ball there. He's either going to throw the ball from basically 10 and down, or he's going to throw the ball over 20 yards. Hmm. That in that intermediate space, that's not, he doesn't live there. He doesn't like it. He doesn't make those throws. But he'll throw it 60 yards, and that 60-yard throw, you know what we call that? A touchdown. And so <laughs> that's the thing that I'm curious to see what happens in this game. They both had a bye week, so I'm very interested to see what this looks like. Does Clemson get back on track a little? Obviously, their goals are a lot lower now than a, a national title. And also, it's Notre Dame they're taking on. And also, the the Dabo rant on uh, Trey from Spartanburg. The Dabo rant is, I mean, that's just, that's Dabo. And it's one of those things where, <laughs> like, if it was me, if I'm the producer, I just cut it off. But at the end of the day, the reality is, is that you, you leave that on because it, it makes you, me, Every other radio show I've done this week, talk about it. But the big thing for me is just, I look at it and this is a, like, Dabo's just, he's, in the words of Forrest Gump, I'm not a smart man. And he's not. And he never claimed to be. <laughs> okay. And the, that's the reality for him. Like, I understand where he comes from. I'm from the South. I live here. I understand, like, Dabo speaks, like, if Dabo was at Clemson when I was getting recruited, my mom would have been in love with it. He makes you go to church every Sunday. He makes you do all this stuff. And then you hear, folks, obviously, you try to use that against him now. And that's, it's not fair. But it's those things where people are, like, preying on your downfall. And I don't think that that's right. But I understand where it comes from. So, for me, I, I try to keep it on the field and on the coaching staff. And when I look at Dabo, I, I see a guy who he's already had, he's, he hires his friends. He hires people that he trusts. And then the two times that he's hired people that he didn't really know, Chad Morris, Venables, what happened? Wow. We're good. We're really good. <laughs> the times that he hires his friends, Billy Napier, Taj Boyd, CJ Spiller. Oh, this isn't good. This is bad. This is bad. Bail out, bail out. So that's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to make some major coaching changes uh, right now. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, the whole Jesus, thing, like shaming the Jesus shaming thing. Right. But what I do recognize is that you can't use that as a shield. When the reality of it is, is you got to hire smarter people around you, not just people that will walk in lockstep with you. Notre Dame going to win the game? Whew. Man, that's a hard one. 
I think Notre Dame wins. This team is just like between the freelancing and from from Kate Klubnick and not the the unwilling. That's that's something I was talking to uh, Eric McLean and Roddy Jones last week, and they were like, "Why? How come quarterbacks just get to stay in the game? They just get to stay in the game." If an offensive lineman or a defensive back or a running back did what Cade did, they would not see the light of day. <laughs> and the quarterback is like, we don't want to hurt his feelings. We want to make sure he feels okay. So, yeah, I I think Notre Dame is going to win. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to them winning because this is a team that's, what are they, in the top 15 right now? They're, they're, I, I'd like, because I really would love to see Notre Dame with respect to the rankings. I'd love to see Notre Dame go out there. I'd love to see Notre Dame Ole Miss. I'd love to see Notre Dame, uh, possibly Alabama or Notre Dame, Texas. Oregon State, uh, very angry coming off their loss last week. Jonathan yeah. Smith even said it after the game. The uh, fake field goal from 20 yards out was completely ridiculous with three seconds left. They go into Colorado. Um, I think they're going to win. Yeah. Can Dion handle this? Because he's starting to come unraveled in terms of the blame game and not taking it on himself. And I just I don't like the look. And I, I think people are as sexy as he is. I think people will use this against him in recruiting. Like you're going to play for a guy who's a me guy who may throw you under the bus or just tell you you're out. He may kick you out and take your scholarship if he believes that you're not getting the job done. Yeah. Um, my buddy Bomani, um, he he hosts the right time. He he said something very similar to what you said, where he's like, you can't keep telling these guys you're going to replace them if you want them to get better and you want them to keep giving good effort and you want them to keep working. The way that I look at it is I look at it as a player where I, there was a time at UNC, we were terrified that Steve Spurrier was going to come be our new head coach uh-huh. because all the rumors that we heard, and this was, this had to be for the 05 going into 06 season. We thought they were going to hire Steve Spurrier, which ultimately is when South Carolina hired him. And, but they were like, he hates walk-ons, he hates backups, he's gonna get rid of you, and it made us like we we were up, we were terrible, we were we felt horrible, right? And then if your head coach is doing that during the season, you gotta be like, that's not good for you for your psyche. And he's got these kids to play hard, and they rally and they they battle. But man, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep putting them down and expecting them to give you their max effort. Especially now when we look at the record and they're they're a team that's, you know, they're they're four and four. They're fighting to get to a bowl game. And guess what? The fight does not get easy for them. This is a team that's got to play. They play again, you said they play Oregon State this weekend. Uh, Oregon State's a good football team, by the way. Like that team is good. Six and two, just doing their thing. I love what they bring to the table, but you look at what they what um Colorado has left. In Colorado, they've got like they might, they might, they might beat Vegas because Vegas had them at what three and a half? Is that right? Yeah, they beat it. So they beat Vegas. Yep. But between the way Arizona's been playing, which is the most insane team in the country, like they don't, who knows what they're going to do week to week. <laughs> um, then you got Washington State, who's pretty, who's very good. And then Utah, who's even better. They're, I don't think they're going to go to a bowl game with these next four games they have. They're not going to go to a bowl game. Nope. And so you're going to get to sit at home and just relax. And you got to look at, and they're all your players are going to look at you and they're going to look at what's happened and have to figure out, do I want to keep playing for this guy who dumps on me all the time, who tells me that we aren't good and tells us that we aren't good enough. 
I, I just don't, I don't know what it, I just, I don't know. It's rough. It's really, it's a really rough situation. And there was, at the start, there was real accountability for him and the coaching staff. And he talked about it a lot. And now it's like, well, these guys just aren't good. We'll get new ones. And I'm like, right. These players aren't replaceable, man. Like right. that's not how, that's not how they want to hear their, their future. Turkey stock recruiting is a family <laughs> deal and close the freaking doors. You can find all that up at it's Felder at substack.com. You are the best. Have a good week. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Now back to Cofield and company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. We'll get back to more on the Raiders and Josh McDaniels, Mick Ziegler moving on and who could be in charge in the future. We'll also get a reaction from a former Oakland Raider, Stanford Rout, our NFL insider on Thursdays. But uh, we're going to deep dive into a lot of college basketball the next couple of days with the opening of the season coming up on November 6th. Remember, we've got that Hall of Fame series here in town, hofseries.com. Uh, you can get your tickets at AXS. It's four games, including the LSU women in town. It's four games at T-Mobile. USC men are taking on Kansas State, Georgia, and Oregon. And DeMond's got your tickets right now. 364-1100. Call her 7364-1100. San Diego State is going to be in town for one of those invitational tournaments coming up down the road the same weekend as F1. And back at Mountain West Conference Media Day, uh, San Diego State was picked first in the conference. I think Boise State is the best team, but hell, they almost won the title last year, and I got a chance to track down one of their best players, Darian Trammell, and uh, I told him, hey, I saw you at Mandalay Bay here with Seattle. I know you wanted to get to the big stage, and damn, last year, did you ever get to the big stage with SDSU? I mean, yeah, that was exactly what I was looking for. Um, and just to have it just right there and being able to experience it after talking about it, it was just something that's so eye-opening, just to like all the work you put in, it's, it's going to pay out at some time. Um, and, and last year was was just a piece of that. And hopefully this year uh, we can repeat and, and try to go as far as we can. Hold the mic up a little closer. Yeah. Um, the championship game obviously is one of the biggest highlights. But along the way, what was what was the biggest highlight? What's one of those things you're going to remember about the journey? Uh, I think the Mountain West tournament. Um, I think that was that was like we won the conference, and then to win the the tournament as well was just. It was a big thing for us because uh, that was something that we talked about is is winning both. Uh, we didn't want to share with anyone. Uh, we were pretty selfish on that. We wanted it to ourselves, and and we did that. Um, it's a very thing, hard thing to do. Uh, we took a couple losses that that we were that we didn't forget, and and, and I think just winning those two the conference and the tournament cha- uh, championship is something that we that we can just talk about and then go into the tournament. Darren Tremels with us from San Diego State. So I want you to give me your take on this one. I've always said, and especially because I cover UNLV, I'm on the broadcast team, that I always feel like every San Diego State team, going back years, there's a confidence with the players. And it carries over to new players that when it comes down to the final five minutes, you guys are unlike a lot of teams where you're like, we're going to win. And I mean, like when you first came in, like how does that vibe come across? Do you, do you feel that initially? Definitely. Uh, I think it just has to do with – just how the coaches um, they spread that message down that every possession matters. Um, so I think around the winning time, uh, a lot of teams are are kind of tapped out and, and just exhausted from just playing us for 40 minutes, and we're still locked in. We're still focusing on possession by possession. Um, 
I think that's what makes us so different. Uh, we were going to play every possession down to the to the end with with major confidence, just because we can hang our hat on defense. We don't have to rely on making any crazy shots, any any wild shots. Um, just our defense is going to put it, put us in a position to win. Um, so just to have that to hang our hat on is, I think that gives us the ultimate confidence. Different feeling now for you in terms of responsibility with uh, you know Lamont's here too and. In this program from veteran to veteran with different eras, the, the guys have to step up. So now it's yeah. your turn to step up and be a leader and be productive. No, definitely. Uh, we lost a lot of leaders last year. Um, we had a great handful of them. Um, Dutch and, and me, Lamont, and uh, Micah, Jaden, uh, we've all been to the national championship game. So we have the experience. And so the leadership is something that we have to keep bringing in. And, and they set a great example last year. So we know what it looks like. Uh, it's showing by example and making sure the guys understand like what it takes to win at this level. Um, no game is going to be easy. Uh, so as long as they understand that and give their best every game, I mean, we just say that, I mean, it's going to put us in a position to be successful. Did you like playing defense when you first got there? Definitely. Uh, you had the mindset? Yeah, it was, it was a mindset. That's, if you talk to Dutch, uh, it's not going to be a surprise. <laughs> He's going to tell you straight up, like, if you don't like playing defense, do not come here. So – I mean that's and, and by the way, you see it play out. Definitely. He'll if he, if San Diego State has scorers, mm -hmm. they don't play defense. They don't play. Don't play right, exactly. Um, and that was something that in the middle of the season uh, I had to talk about, um, or I talked to the coaches about. Um, obviously, I was playing, but they felt like I can do more. Um, so I need to take a step up in my defense and, and taking more possession by possession and understand like every possession matters. Um, the detail behind it, uh, I think Dave Velasquez does a great job putting his positions to win, scouting. Just understanding, like, we don't do things like a lot of teams. A lot of teams don't – we told them our defensive game plan, they'd be super lost. So, I mean, just having that is puts us over the edge, and I think that gives us the ultimate confidence because we can go and win with our defense. So when you're on the perimeter now with this team, it's different behind you. Um, for me, Nathan Mentz is one of the best defensive big men I've ever seen, and I've been watching basketball a long time because on a pick and roll, if he got switched off to a guard – they still couldn't turn the corner. A couple of years ago, uh, Bryce Hamilton for UNLV was destroying people in the conference. And I watched him in two games. And I'm like, he can't get around the corner. So what changes now? Because you, you have bigs. They're big, powerful bigs. Mm -hmm. What happens defensively? Can you can you do the same thing? Or is there more responsibility on you guys making sure that um, guys aren't beating you and you know not having a, the, sw right. the SWAT man behind yeah. you? Yeah. No, I mean, definitely. Nate is uh, it's irreplaceable. Um, but obviously, each person is going to bring what they bring to the table. Um, and, and Dutch is great at that as well. He's going to bring pieces together that are going to fit. Um, and so I think it's us. We have, we have to try our best at the end of the day. Um, and, and the coaches are going to put us in, in a position to win. Um, they're going to do what they feel plays to our strengths defensively. Obviously not having Nate um, be there to be able to switch out um, all the time. But we still have great great defenders. Uh, Jaden and all our other bigs are, are pretty good that they can move their feet as well. But, I mean, they're gonna. that's something that we have to figure out, um, what, what's going to suit us defensively this year. What do you like more now, Northern California or Southern California? Uh oh, uh oh. Oh, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> this will be going on the web. The people uh, in Northern California, one of you are live on the air, but just be I like Southern California. Honestly. Ooh, Southern California. How come? This is hard to beat. You have everything here. The weather's wonderful. Uh, the beaches, the food is great. Um, it's just you wake up every day and it feels like you're in paradise. Uh, palm trees, like hard to beat. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. There he is, Darian Trammell, one of the best players returning in the Mountain West Conference as we get you ready for the beginning of the season around college basketball. Mountain West has six games on Monday, uh, including uh, San Diego State going against Fullerton. Uh, 
New Mexico, Utah State, Air Force, Colorado State, Fresno are in action uh, tracking San Diego State um, in the exhibition season. They played a game a couple days ago against uh, Cal State San Marcos. Uh, Trammell is a little dinged up right now. He didn't play in the game, but come on. When I was talking about Nathan Mensa, who was 6'11 and, and you know pretty big guy, but was not like a muscle guy, the bigs they have now are muscle guys. Like uh, uh, Jaden Ledee is 6'9", 260, and just carved you know, muscle. Um, they've got a freshman, redshirt freshman, and Elijah Saunders, who I think could easily transition to be a tight end or like a left tackle. Biggest calves you're ever going to see. It's uh, I'm very, well, they I'm very, I'm very much the admiring the bods of San Diego State. But my point is, they're not as long as some of the guys of the past. They have a transfer in named Jay Powell from Campbell, who may be that eraser on the back end. But I think they're going to have to play a little bit different defensively. But grabbing a rebound against all that bulk, and remember. Uh, Lamont Butler, who was tremendous in the NCAA tournament, he's back. They got uh, one of the six men, best six men in the Pac-12, Reese Waters, uh, in from USC. So he's been added to the team. A former transfer and Micah Parrish, he's still around from the MAC. And then they've got some uh, impressive young guys that they can mix in. So San Diego State is going to be really, really good. I still think Boise is the team to beat. On the way back, though, let's get to uh, one of the deans of coaching at two stops in the Mountain West Conference, and that is Tim Miles talking about uh, roster building and how good this conference is. Former running rebel, Curtis Terry's coming up in about 15 minutes. He'll uh, continue with the basketball talk, the Mountain West Conference preview, the running rebels breakdown as they open up next Wednesday. Reminder, Kevin Kruger Radio Show, the debut of the 2023-2024 version, goes down to Parkway Tavern over in the district, just off of the 215 by... Green Valley Ranch. Again, that's next Tuesday, Kevin Kruger Radio Show. One of the deans of coaching in the Mountain West Conference, he's actually coached at two different stops, Colorado State. He was very successful in building it up and helping get it to where it is now. And now he's at San Jose State with another rebuilding effort. And, you know, we talked to him at Mountain West Conference Media Day, and I was thinking to myself, man, I saw that brand-new facility at San Jose State going up at their stadium – and I heard that it was not just a football facility, that everyone was going to be able to use it at San Jose State. So I posed that question to Tim Miles, and I was like, it's cool, right? You guys get to use that facility too. We are not. You're no, not? No, we're not. Um, now, I get to go over there when they have a head coach's meeting, so they let me in then. But that's really uh, the only time. So, so for you, is that the next big thing for basketball? Um, I don't – You know, I, maybe you can make some changes to the arena. It's, it's a unique arena but you probably don't have everything that you want and need for basketball. So could that be on the way with, with money, with support? Yeah, I think that uh, a place where we can have a dedicated practice area, which we don't have, and, um, and, and then, you know, obviously we need huge strides in improvement when it comes to our physical environment, locker room, lounge, coaches' offices, and, and certainly that playing environment for our guys to play in every day. There needs to be a significant investment there. We're not there yet. Hopefully we're working toward that. Uh, but that, that would be something San Jose State truly needs, without question. And and then a, a dedicated NIL program. You know, we really are, you know, it, it recruited this last team on zero NIL money. And, and, it, and if you look at the two main things, 
you know, those are going to be separators to see if we can really belong in the, the upper echelon of the, of the Mount West. Do you interact with the duck a lot? The duck is great. What a support. You know, but I kind of treat the duck as a mascot. You know, I mean, you can't, you're not going to talk back to him. So it's a lot of high fives and awkward kind of grabbing. And uh, But he's a good man. He's going to get that bread. Yeah. So, well, and I, I do think, like, there is obviously, because as, you know, as Steve said, right, you helped rebuild this and, and, you know, we know the history of what the program was. And, and to have a fan dedicated like that to that program is really fascinating. So I guess what I'm going to kind of get to is what, what can San Jose State be? As you're kind of building and, and getting better, what can San Jose State be? I think, you know, Brent would, would agree with me. I, the one thing that San Jose does not have are the resources when it comes especially to budget. We just talked about facilities a little bit, but really the, the, the budget, the dedicated money to make that place go. The whole CSU system has been, you know, under duress, so to speak. So it's not just us, right? We know that, but we, you know, that is something that we really need to grow and develop if we're going to prosper and truly belong in that upper echelon. Because this league, you know, I've, I've been a part of this league now. This is my eighth season, right? And I've seen a lot of great programs. And, and, and this league has been able to, in men's basketball, you know, always stay, to me, among the elite in that group of five area where we're putting multiple teams in the NCA over and over and over. In fact, I think in my seven years, we've outdone the Pac-12. If you look at those seven years that we were at CSU and the two here, we've outdone the Pac-12 in that same amount of time in terms of putting teams in the, in the, into the NCA tournament. It's pretty impressive stuff. It makes it sound like a high major league to me. So uh, what can some of the newcomers bring? Well, because you didn't, I, to, to my knowledge, looking at the roster, you didn't go heavy portal. No, we ended up with seven and, freshmen. And you've right? done that before, yeah, so we had why to go, the change? And we had to go. The portal was real transactional this year, Steve. You know, I mean, if you didn't have, uh, you know, that, and, and the kids deserve it. I, I like yeah. it, but. I love that word, yeah. transactional. Yeah, it was. I, it's it was. funny, I saw um, who was talking about it Stoops at Kentucky for football. And he didn't use transactional. He was talking about Georgia, and he was talking about buying players. So yeah, well, it was it it, it was a it felt like a business, right? You know, it used to be you had this art form of recruiting, right? You get to know the kid, develop a relationship, show them this game plan for development, for how they impact winning. And and now you know you think it might, and it is that way to a degree. But if all things aren't equal, for instance, coach, if I can get fifty thousand a year at this school in zero years kind of convince me again you know yeah. and I hey don't think small you know I mean you come here have a bigger role play for coach miles maybe you get a bigger pro contract I don't know but yeah. uh, that's what I try and tell him but that, that kind of flies in the face of it right so when you look at the, these young guys um, we've got guys that I think fit who we are um, and and we, we need to get them up to speed because you know we're still dealing with COVID years we're still dealing with an older clientele in basketball whether it be anywhere across country, but certainly in the Mountain West. And and we are young, which scares the Jesus out of me, right? And uh, and so I, I, as I look at this, I just, I'm excited to get these guys up to speed and get them competing at a level I know they can go at because they've got talent, just don't have the experience and the, and the mental wherewithal that we need right now. Does it help you at all from a recruiting standpoint that you've had like an Amari Moore, who was Mountain West Player of the Year, that Brandon Clark, I, I always joke, like, I, I remember watching Brandon Clark years back playing with like football players because that roster was so short at one yeah. point. But is it important from a recruiting standpoint, like, hey, look, we, we've had guys who are very impactful in their conferences and have gone on to have good careers. Certainly helps. There's no doubt about it. I think anytime you can show that where your school is at, there's a path forward. Uh, you know, our issue is we've got two examples over 12 years is what we're talking about, or 10 years. And so you'd like to have five, six examples, you know, somebody coming out every year. 
Uh, but the fact there is a path forward, I think, really helps recruit. Tim Miles is with us. Let's wrap on this. He's the uh, coach at San Jose State. So you mentioned all your time in two different programs in the Mountain West Conference. Who's the, the coach that, when you're matching up against him, because you're really good with strategy and, and some of the stuff you put in last year uh, gave you and Ali a lot of trouble. Um, who's the coach in the conference that you've gone against over the years and you're like, man, he's always a really tough matchup. Yeah, well, and maybe it's not obvious. No, I mean, I really felt like when when I was in the league the first time, uh, you know, and, and and Kevin's dad, I think Kevin does an excellent job. Lonnie was was at UNLV, and 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 Steve uh, Olford was at New Mexico, and Kruger uh, or um, Dutch and, and and Fish were at San Diego State. Leanne had just come in the league, we lost Utah, left, but the league was so good and it was so well coached. And and everybody left, right? Everybody left. And I think you saw um, yep. the league go down. Yep. And now everybody came back. And so, honestly, I think it's, it's the old Missouri Valley, I felt like was a cradle of coaches. I think the Mount West is such a, you know, I call it Big Ten light, you know, because the style, you know, players just aren't as big and physical as you get in the Big Ten. But the coaching is really strong. And, and so all of those guys are hard to go against. And it's become such a physical kind of defensive style league um, in a slower league, you know. We don't, we don't call it the run of reps anymore, I don't know. We, right? It's the whole league is, it might be the slowest, the top 10 leagues in the country, I bet we're one of the slowest leagues um, in tempo, you know what I mean? And just in terms of the number of possessions you play per game. And so, but that's just kind of the way it is. So when you get those, you know, fewer possessions, tighter games, right? Uh, I remember one year, yeah, you just, now everything becomes more critical. All of those guys are good, you know, and and so, um, and so you learn something from all of those guys too. So it's, it's pretty fun stuff. Let's close on this because we had this tempo discussion with Alford and he was, he was kind of lamenting the pace and he's out in Mexico, we weren't like that. So... Why can't you be the guy who gets crazy, right? You've got job security. It's a bill. Why can't you be the guy who's like, we're going to fire up freaking 45 threes a game. Yeah. We're going to run. We're going to press. And we're going to force the rest of the league to change. Because, you know, I said it to Alford, I'll say it to you. I, San Diego State is great for the conference because they succeed. But everyone I feel like is building to beat San Diego State and kind of Boise now, too. So yeah. what would happen if two or three schools are like, screw it, we're going small, and we're going to force you to defend us out deep, and we're going to shoot threes and run? Yeah, I mean, because human nature, I think, gets you to a point where you're like, I know what I know, and I know how I can succeed. And 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 what you're saying is, is game changing, and you see it. You see Grinnell College set the school record or whatever, but how many leagues do they? How many yeah. games do they win in the postseason? FDU last year against Purdue. I mean, it's yeah. a one-off, but still. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and you can't have those moments, right? Uh, I, I just think that I know what I know. I know how I need to do it. I know the recipe works. Right. And by goodness, I'm going to stick to it because I mean that, that's a real risk, right? That's a real out of character type of thing. Like, how do I become something else? And, and will it be successful or will it be this ultimate just embarrassing failure where I get murdered every night on the, on the floor because this league will do it to me, right? And it's like, it's going to be fascinating. Let's just look at Penn State. Let's, let's take your point of view. So Penn State is coming in and they're going to press, right? And the last guy to do that, Brad Underwood, was going to come run and press. <laughs> yeah. and got last three years in a row in the Big Ten, right? Yeah. And then he changed. 
became like a Big Ten and then went to three straight NCAAs, right? So I, it, it's hard to be that kind of counterculture. Um, and it, you know what, what really is going to trump everything is talent. Really, whatever you have, you better have the talent to execute the game. So much going on in the world of sports. We got college football, obviously what's going on with the Raiders and the NFL. World Series just finished up, NBA, NHL, Knights play tonight. And college basketball starts on Monday. So let's bring in Curtis Terry, who played at UNLV as one of the voices of the Running Rebels, a co-host on the Kevin Kruger radio show. All right, buddy, what's going on? You fired up? College basketball season just a few days away. Oh, you know it. But I, I got to start off by reminding you and everybody else that I'm not a system player. I am a system. <laughs> hey, before we get to all the college basketball, remind me what you said uh, in our conversation about James Harden before the deal went down. Uh, I said that the Sixers were going to be a good team, uh, hmm. that Maxie was going to be a great player, but I still think they were crazy if they think they can win the championship without James Harden. And I think the way the roster is constructed, I think they've gotten better, but I don't think they're going to be able to, to win the NBA championship this year. Um because again, and I think Harden kind of he mentioned that in his, in his press conference today. He came out and basically says, "I still am who I used to be, um, but I can do whatever needs to be done." And so I think his his comment came across. I don't think it, it delivered the right meaning. It sounded very selfish, but he just goes to show that he can play whatever role he needs to play. And I think with this team now, with the Sixers or with the Clippers, he's going to be able to be a scorer uh, when need be, or if guys are out or hurt. Um, or he can facilitate it and get those guys going, but still be a threat on, on the ball. So I think it's it's a great deal. I think for both sides. Um, but yeah, he's he's he, he's not a system player. He is the system. I want to go back to that comment, Curtis, because you know he in more detail. You know he's saying, "Hey, I can be what the team needs me to be." But what is his best role with this team? You think? Uh, I think, and I don't know who who said this earlier. I, I was probably watching something, listening to a podcast, but they were talking about moving James Harden back off the ball and allowing him to, to kind of roam free. Um, I think it's going to be it can be a game by game situation. And now with with the resting rules of the NBA, and you can't rest multiple superstars um, unless guys have, have had injuries or above a certain age uh, bracket. Uh, but I think you're going to have situations, instances where you can play him on the ball as the point. Um, you can play him off the ball and let him be your, your your number one score coming off the bench or however you kind of want to group your guys. I mean, obviously the, the Clippers and, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have had injuries over the years. So at some point, somebody's probably going to miss a stretch of games. And that's where you're going to see prime old, uh, what we're used to in terms of James Harden. Uh, so I think it, it's going to be a mix and match. Uh, but Ty Lue, is, as coach of the Clippers, is going to have to do a, a great coaching and, and just a great job of piecing these pieces together because he's got all the pieces and the right guys that are all hungry to win a championship. Um, but you're going to have to make it, make sure it works and make sure everybody's willing to sacrifice um, when that time is called upon them to do so at, at that time and day. Curtis Terry's on Cofield and Company. Um, I don't know if you were listening to the uh, Tim Miles interview we just had on a couple of minutes ago, but I was making the point with him, and I've made this point many times. Um, when is there going to be a program? And I was saying to Miles, he should be the program. When is there going to be a program that breaks rank in the Mountain West Conference and doesn't build – its team in the image of Boise and, more importantly, San Diego State? Because it's quite the conundrum. You need to beat those teams, but I think to beat those teams, you also have to be able to shoot. And I feel like everyone is building a bully ball roster, um, maybe except the Rebels. Is Kevin Kruger – I think he was on it last year. you got to make sure you can still rebound. But could he be on to something positionless um, – have enough shooters, and we'll see if they have enough shooters, but trying to get away from just freaking smash ball. 
hundred uh, percent. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think obviously you've got to be able to be physical and you've got to be able to compete with the physicality of the likes of San Diego State and Boise State um, and just that hard-nosed kind of nature. But at the same time, you've got to be able to score because that's the one thing that San Diego State has proven that at times they go through scoring droughts and lulls of, of no offense. So you've got to be able to put the points up to combat when they just lock down even tighter and clamp down on defense. Um, I think Coach Kevin Kruger has kind of seen that. And how he's building this team reminds me of how Coach Long Kruger had his teams at Oklahoma, um, where you go positionless basketball. We kind of saw that obviously with Elijah Harkless uh, coming over from Oklahoma, but just guys that can play multiple spots, guys that can score, can defend, can rebound, uh, guys that have size. And you've got to fine tune that. Uh, and I think that Kevin is starting to put that together. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if someone like Coach Tim Miles uh, breaks rank, like you said, and just goes out and gets a bunch, a ton of guys that can shoot, that have size, that can handle and play multi-position basketball, uh, because he's the kind of coach that seems willing to, to kind of I mean, go left when everybody's going straight or going right and, and kind of do his own thing. But I think Coach Kevin Kruger is definitely heading down that right path. Um, and I think everybody's kind of feeling that pressure of Samuel State making it to the national championship last year to do so even quicker, especially with all the conference realignment stuff that's on the way. Season opener coming up on November 8th. That's next Wednesday. UNLVTickets.com as uh, the Rebels open their season with a couple games next week and then eventually hit the road for Pepperdine and then a tourney in Daytona, Florida where they'll get some good Power 5 matchups potentially in that one. Uh, your feeling on DJ Thomas, could they nurse the hand, his shooting hand, through the first two games and make sure that he's definitely available for that Pepperdine to Daytona trip, or could we see him out there at the beginning of the season? Uh, you mean, I don't have any inside information, so I think it's, it's going to be come down to how he's feeling and how he's managing I mean, whatever pain or, or lingering that there is, and obviously with the medical staff to make sure they don't put him at risk later in the season. Um, but I think he's going to be a key part that you want out there as often and as early as possible with this team because he's going to be the head of the snake, leading the team offensively, getting guys in their spots, creating and generating that offense. Uh, so I think it's going to be harder to plug him in later as things start to build, uh, but you definitely want him to get his feet wet, especially with these two home games before you do have to go on the road to Pepperdine um, and then take that cross-country trip to Florida to, to play Florida State um, and either Colorado or Richmond. You're talking three programs right there that have, that have national name. Uh, so you want him to be ready and not just thrown in the fire at that time, uh, but you definitely don't want to, to risk it at his expense not being healthy later on. So, again, that's, that's one of those situations where I'm glad that's above my pay grade, but that's a, a ginger situation that you want to make sure that you manage appropriately and carefully, especially for the young man. I don't know how much you've jumped into the Mountain West so far, but there's a pretty good discussion to be had about the top two, Boise and San Diego State, and then three through seven, New Mexico, UNLV, Reno, Colorado State, and maybe Wyoming or Utah State. Do you have a team in that group aside from the Rebels that you like in terms of returnees? And there are a lot of transfers in this league. And the funny thing is there's a lot of incestuous transferring uh, Javante Johnson is on Colorado State. Uh, Jamarl Baker is on New Mexico. Xavier Ducell popped up at Fresno. So I think a lot of people from the outside, if they look at the Mountain West, and they're like, oh, there's, there's no depth. I'm like, no, there's there's depth. There's some really interesting teams and a lot of unknown players. 
Yeah, it's almost I mean, it's almost kind of like the Battles Back Conference, right? A lot of guys go play at bigger places and then get a chance to, to kind of take over and do something different in their second second or third go-around here in the Mountain West. Um, I mean, the teams that stick out to me, obviously, aside from the top two and the Rebels, uh, I mean, obviously, you've got to get credit to what Coach Alford is doing up in Reno. Um, I think, obviously, what they did last year, they're starting to put the pieces together and get his kind of guys um, who definitely have to be system players to play for Coach. Um, but then I think, I think New Mexico, I mean, what they're bringing back with the two guards in the backcourt, um, adding some transfers and, and just the atmosphere that they have, have down there in New Mexico in the pit um, is, is something great that they can put in their back pocket. Um, it's it's just going to be interesting to see what happens because a lot of this, it's, it's all fun to talk about now, but I think as the season goes on and as teams kind of create their identities and they lock in and we figure out who's who and, and who's really here to play and not just on paper, that's when it's going to get interesting. But most people think that, that football season is, is the best time of the year for me. It's when NBA, NFL, and college basketball. So, again, this coming week I'm excited because there's not going to be a day where you can't just sit on the couch and watch some good hoops or football. Uh, so there's exciting times ahead of us for sure. Coaching matters as well. So with New Mexico, they've got House back. They've got Mashburn Jr. They've added Jamarl Baker. They have Donovan Dent, who I think is going to be an emerging player, but I don't know how they play four guards at one time unless Baker is going to play the four. They've got Nelly Jr. Joseph, who's a, a big at 6'9", in from Iona. Uh, Dad Patino um, you know, helped out son and, and uh, recommended him. I don't know that I truly believe that uh, Junior Patino is a great coach. So one of the teams that I respect and I would fear a little bit, especially because of the setting, is Jeff Linder. And, man, he went a crazy transfer route. Um, he's got a guy who's hurt right now, but he's got a 27-point-per-game guy from NAIA. His backcourt coming in has experience. They, they come in averaging like 32 points per game. That's a guy I respect as a coach. And I'm not saying um, Richard Pitino is not a good coach, but coaching is a big deal in this conference. It's a very big deal. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's at the forefront of it. Obviously, you've got to have players. You've got to be able to coach them and put them in a position to be successful. Uh, coach Patino, I mean, what he's doing at New Mexico, we saw it last year. I mean, when those, when those guards get going, they're going to be tough to beat. But a lot of it that we saw was they were sometimes just jump shooting guards, and that can come and go. Um, so what are they going to have to lean on and, and rely on aside from that aspect? And their defense was a little spotty here or there. Uh, but Wyoming, I mean, I think it was last year when we were there, and they kind of had that mass exodus right before UNLV came in. Um, and so for him to kind of have to rebuild that team, uh, from what they were two years ago, I mean, it's, it's going to be quite the job. But if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's going to be him because the, the style in which they play and kind of the, the, the identity and persona that that team takes on kind of being that Wyoming, that Laramie, just kind of rough, uh, rugged, uh, blue collar, just kind of getting down to work and, get, and getting the job done. It's, it's going to be interesting. And so, again, you're going to have those teams at the top that everybody's going to expect in San Diego State and Boise State. Um, but like you mentioned, I think three through seven, there's going to be a lot of fluctuation there. Um, and so I think the, and the secret is, is never change in terms of what you got to do in the Mountain West. You have to hold serve at home and you've got to split on the road. And I think you're going to, if you can do that, you're going to have a chance to be in that top four. Um, and so that way you can get that seating that you need going into the conference tournament, even though that's way, way down the road. Curtis, I want to finish it off with some NBA talk. Did you watch the Laker game last night? Uh, yes, I, I watched a good portion of it. Well, Christian Wood, he had the put-back dunk to essentially seal the game, took it to 128 to 130 to having 125 to seal the game for the Lakers. What kind of rotational piece do you think he can be for the Lakers going forward? 
Man, I think C. Wood can be the X factor for the Lakers. I mean, especially um, if, if they're going to kind of pull that, that minutes restriction from LeBron um, and let him just kind of play his game and, and not have to worry about that so much. Uh, but C. Wood, when he's locked in, and I think it's for him, it's a matter of being comfortable and knowing his role. He's going to start to continue to progress and get better. I mean, because when the kid's got it going, um, he, he can knock down the three. Um, he can put it on the floor. He can get to the basket. He can block shots. Um, he can play in transition. He can really do it all. And last night you saw what he can do. He can be a guy that you're really not looking at and, and floating on the perimeter, but he can crash the glass and get you key putbacks and second chance opportunities. Uh, so I think Seawood's going to have the opportunity to play a big role for this team moving forward, especially at the size in which he shoots it and can defend. And especially if you're going to be able to have to have him out there with Anthony Davis, that's a great counterpart. Or if AD needs to go to the bench, you bring Seawood in and you probably even have more scoring ability, at least from the outside. Uh, so I like what Seawood what can bring to the table here for the Lakers. Again, I think it's for the Lakers to stay healthy um, and make sure that LeBron's out there because we all know and see based on what the plus minus is that when he's not out there, things go a little south for the Lakers. Curtis, good job. We will see you next week at the Kevin Kruger radio show on Tuesday at Parkway Tavern in the district. And uh, for the road trip, start getting ready for your uh, broadcaster bites material. We just hit Fresno and believe it or not, Caleb Herring and I gave Fresno rave reviews. I like Fresno. I know there are certain people on the on the uh, road with uh, UNLV basketball who don't like Fresno. I like it. I've never had any, a knock against Fresno um, in terms of the eats um, and, and the what nightlife you can't get out of it. Um, but I've definitely been ready to go. I've taken my notes and I'm ready to, to take over once you and Caleb hop off the road. There you go. Uh, coming up for us for football, Viva Albuquerque. Here we go. All right. We'll see you, CT. All right.